Before we get started with this week's episode, I want to address the protests that are happening against racism and police brutality. We all know that Lord of the Rings isn't exactly a picture of diversity, but I want my listeners to know that I stand in solidarity with the Black communities who are experiencing a lifetime of pain and grief. As a white person, I can't comprehend the pain that Black people feel. The only thing I know is that the pain, fear, and anger I'm feeling now, watching the state of our country and my hometown, is just a fraction of what you carry with you every day. I encourage any of my white and non-Black listeners to do just that. Listen. Uplift Black voices, learn from them, and make changes to do better. I hope with all my heart that if you are hurting right now, that this episode will help you to feel better. Whether you need a break, a laugh, or you just want to feel like others are with you. Because I am. I'm with you. And remember that you deserve rest. You deserve to take a break every now and then. There's a metaphor or a saying that if your glass is empty, you can't pour into other people. So make sure you take some time to rest and recharge. A quick note that this episode was recorded two weeks ago before the protests began, so if it seems like we're not mentioning it, that's why. Now, before the episode begins, I want to take a moment to remember just a few of the Black men, women, and children who have been senselessly killed by police and to reflect on the hundreds of others that are no longer with their friends and family. And my apologies if I mispronounce anything. George Floyd. Breonna Taylor. Ahmaud Arbery. Atatiana Jefferson. Tamir Rice. Corinne Gaines. Trayvon Martin. Natasha McKenna. Eric Garner. Sandra Bland. Black Lives Matter. Stay safe, and if you are protesting, please wear a mask. From WBNE. Hello, and welcome to episode 48, all about the Battle of the Pelennor Fields, chapter 6, book 5 of The Return of the King, being the 48th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I'm joined once again by the wonderful, always wonderful Valerie Winters of Hello From Elsewhere. Welcome back, Valerie. Hello. Thank you for having me back. I'm so excited. Yes, you requested this chapter. I did. I wasn't sure if I would get it because when you asked what chapters I might want, I was like, well, this one. (laughs) But also others might really want this one. There were a couple other requests, but I did give you the priority. Oh, 
Ah, I feel so special. Yes, yes. Sorry to the other people who said that they wanted this (laughs) chapter, but Valerie is on the network, on WB&E Network with me, and this is also your third time on Tolkien About? It is my third time. I've been on once for each book now. Okay, cool. I planned it that way. Yep. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I think- We all know you have a master plan, Mary Clay. Yes. I'm trying to think. Have you now been on more times than Casey? Ooh, I think so. Because I can't remember. Cool. So when we hang up, you I, can I, go. He's been on. He's been on twice. You can go. Yes. I don't know. Brag about that. To Rub him. it in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, with this chapter, chapter six, the Battle of Pelennor Fields, I had a lot of theories, and a lot of them were right. <laughs> so it kind of took a lot of the surprise out of this chapter. Except for one point where I jokingly made a prediction about something, did not think it would happen, and it did happen, and I screamed. Oh, I should mention, I I ran a recording while I was reading this chapter to, like, get my live reactions, and I'll insert those wherever I think they fit in the, uh, the best, so, um, but yeah, there was- It's fantastic. I love when you do that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm always like, I don't know if this is worth the effort that I'm putting into this, but I'm doing it anyway. So <laughs> it makes well, it's me so hard because you could record your yeah, you could record yourself for a whole chapter and have like nothing, you know, because nothing oh, extreme might before. happen or whatever. Yeah. But then it's totally worth it when you get yourself and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like a, solid reaction yeah (laughs) yeah and it's hard because like I want to say like oh can someone I want to like ask a seasoned pro be like hey what chapters should I like record a reaction for but at the same time just by asking that give something away about the chapter that like oh well something crazy happens in this chapter because you should record yourself for it so it's I kind of have to like use my own judgment and given that a lot of people had requests for this chapter and and brought up a couple, hinted at a couple things that would happen here. I just had a feeling. I, know, I felt bad after I. <laughs> no, totally don't feel bad. I was like, <laughs> well, I was just when you asked, I was like, okay, Battle of Pelennor Fields, but if not one, that one, like. If not me, maybe you should just have a a, a, a woman female on female guest, one. you know, just a female, <laughs> just just because. And then I was like, and then you immediately guessed why, and I was like, no comment. Like I didn't want to say well, one way or the other because I was like, I don't want to spoil anything, but I felt like no, I was like, it Mary- wasn't, no, 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 it definitely wasn't <laughs> okay. just you. It was like. It was also a couple other people who were like hinting at things about this chapter, as well as like me being able to piece together the like very not so subtle pieces that Tolkien is leaving behind about this. At least I didn't think like I was I was pretty much able to crack the code as soon as as soon as Mary a couple chapters ago made eye contact with a random soldier with with Dernhelm. Yeah. Yeah. Like. (laughs) As soon you didn't as think Dernhelm was a man with a slender figure. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, okay, but enough enough pretense about this. Let's let's jump yes. in here. And I will add the caveat. So I wrote my first note for this was I'm pretty sure I know what's about to happen, but let's do it. I'm ninety nine percent sure I know what's gonna happen in this chapter. But come along with me anyway. 
And this chapter didn't happen exactly as I thought it would happen. For example, the the big thing with the capital T that happens happens like on the second page of this chapter, which is crazy. I thought yes. the whole chapter was going to be a lead up to the moment and then bada boom. Oh my God, it's Eowyn. Surprise. And and it wasn't. It was like two pages in and I was like, oh, okay. I guess we're doing that now. All right. Wow. Is it really this early in the chapter that it happens? <laughs> right. But then you get a big whammy of a surprise at the end, too. That's true. Oh, I have thoughts about that as well. Yes. So the last we left Rohan, they had just arrived in the nick of time to battle. I kind of, like, forgot that Theoden was in this, this army with them and was leading them. And as soon as they mentioned his name, I was like, wait a minute. I've theorized many times that he does not make it. So we'll see what happens <laughs> with him. Remember when I predicted that Theoden wasn't going to make it? Just a reminder. Because I all of a sudden have a hunch. And we yeah. all know that Mary Clay is great at killing off characters. I am, yeah. <laughs> you predict it, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> well... I have not okay, because it was I'm, written hundreds a hundred years ago, but just because you predicted it. That's you know. <laughs> I have some some thought. We'll have to get there in the middle of this chapter about how Tolkien and these characters treat like death and fatal wounds, and have any of these people ever learned how to check a pulse? <laughs> anyway, um, so right. they arrive. So they arrive to the battlefield, and. It's mass chaos and everything is crazy. And there is a huge monstrous beast, a winged beast that flies down. And it's basically described as like a giant uh, bird with no feathers. And that sounds not good. Um, it's my understanding that this is what the Nazgul king is writing or are yes. they the same? I was curious what you were picturing in your mind because I just have, I mean, I saw the movies before I read the books. So I just have an image of the creature from the movies in my mind. And I think they do a fantastic job with it in the movies, but that I don't get to really imagine it on my own because that was already there. So what were you picturing, Mary Clay? Here, I'll read out the description and then I feel like it will warrant the picture in my head. It says, the great shadow descended like a falling cloud, and behold, it was a winged creature. If bird, then greater than all other birds, and it was naked, and neither quill nor feather did it bear, and its vast pinions were as webs of hide between horned fingers, and it stank. Mmm. Mmm. Love me a good giant naked bird. So, I was picturing, a like, I guess a giant raven? And it's it says it's naked, so it's a naked bird, and it's, like, dripping slime. <laughs> I love the little caveat at the end of that sentence, and it stink. And it stink, <laughs> yeah. Tolkien, he, he wants you to make sure that, that you know all of the dark creatures, Mordor, everything, it stinks. I think we should just tack that on to the end of, like, every sentence from now on, you know? It's and like, it oh, I, stink. You know, had to go outside, and it stink. It stink. Oh my gosh. But yeah, from the description there, I was kind of thinking, like it describes itself. Yeah, because it says like a bird, but it doesn't say anything about beaks. So you're picturing like big wings, but it doesn't have any feathers or fur. So it's like 
But it doesn't say scales either. So it's, it's very naked. like skeletal, like, what, I guess. Like an eel or like a, I don't know. Like, yeah. A pterodactyl? I don't know. A yeah. black a black pterodactyl? <laughs> sure. No, I don't know. <laughs> and it's and it's being written by I liked the uh intro to the very first paragraph to the chapter here when it talks about, you know, the king, Ooh, the yeah. ring wraith, lord of the Nazgûl. And those even, like those aren't even all of his names. He's also called uh, yeah, the black captain, lord of Minas Morgul. Which king of Angmar? And you're like, um, they're all the same guy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was confusing for, clarifying. for me at a couple points where I was like, oh, wow, I guess there's another one here. Okay. Oh, and there's another one. Oh, and there's his, they're quadruplets, I guess. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, it's all the same. It's all the same guy. Wait. Especially since there are nine ring wraiths, but he's like the leader yeah, of them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you're like, well, wait, is this the same ring wraith or is this a different ring wraith? And but- also it's apparently the ring wraith that stabbed Frodo back in Fellowship yes. of the Ring, which You're I know that now. Yay. Thunderous applause. I know things. <laughs> and I know things now, many valuable things that I hadn't known before. Only because someone You're told gonna me. You're going to finish and you will know me. all the things. I'm not going to know nearly all the things, but I will know some of the things, which is more than I could <laughs> say when I started this, which was that I knew none of the things. I'm, I'm sorry. My brain is there's some movie or TV, TV show, I don't know, where it's like someone talking. Oh, it's the Sandlot. <laughs> sorry. It's when they're <laughs> listing off all the nicknames for Babe Ruth. And then, oh, he, yes. and, and then the he goes, you mean that's all the same guy? Yeah. <laughs> the Sultan of Swat. The King of Crash. The Colossus of Clout. The Colossus of Clout. Babe The Great Bambino. Oh my God, you mean that's the same guy? That's what that's I was exactly. thinking of when, yeah, when you're that's listing exactly off all the names. What there was some voice in the back of my head going, you mean that's the same guy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whew. All right. Well, I'm glad I got that out of my brain. Fantastic. Anyway, yeah. So this disgusting uh, pterodactyl raven monster. Sure. Yeah. Um, they flies call it the fell down. beast. Yes, the fell beast, which is super cool. Um, That's a great name. Flies down and the horse, not the horse, <gasps> not the horse. Gets Poor struck. Snowmane. Snowmane gets hit with a poison arrow. He falls over and it says, the king fell beneath him. I took that to mean, oh, he, 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 he fell, like physically fell. And then later on, at like the bottom of the page, when they're already grieving him before he's died, I was like, wait, is Thaden dead? Did I miss that? <laughs> Did I miss that? <laughs> Did it mean that he lit like Yeah, he... it's not super clear. <laughs> I feel like this is that Avatar episode. Did Theoden just die? You know, it was really unclear. Metaphor. I was having a, a moment of. I don't know if you watch Avatar The Last Airbender, but they make fun yes. in one episode of. Um, Bethany, if you're listening, skip ahead a couple seconds. She's never seen Avatar, so I have to put that in for her. Um, <laughs> where Jet, in an earlier episode, 
dies question mark and then later on they make fun of it and they're like did did he just die you know it was really unclear and yeah <laughs> that's what i was wondering here we do get some clarification later on um but i did write at the top of the so all of this happens on page 822 in my edition and the first note i wrote for page 822 was i will be surprised if theoden survives this so there we go <laughs> Yes, when he says that, you know, Theoden fell beneath his horse, it's like, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, some that's a hard one because sometimes people survive when a horse lands on top of you. Sometimes you don't. Yeah, if you're a Which frail way is it gonna old go? man, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're going to survive that. So, And everyone flees because the Nazgul king is riding down with his fell beast pterodactyl monster pet. And, oh, right. And the Nazgul king, he has like, I love this line where it says, um, to the air he had returned, summoning his steed ere the darkness failed. And now he was come again, bringing ruin, turning hope to despair and victory to death. It's like, well, okay. (laughs) Also, just that's some intenseness. That um, just reminds me how, so this chapter opens with, um, the perspective of, I guess, the Nazgul king. And I think that's really interesting because yes. it's it's like a nice little twist on things. And to me, it's kind of reminiscent of how the very last Harry Potter movie opens with a shot of Snape looking out over Hogwarts as he's like supposedly on the Death Eater side. Of course, we don't know that he's quote unquote good now. But <laughs> um, right. I don't know, just kind of reminiscent to me of like starting off a very like the final piece. Actually, I don't know. Hmm. I'm trying to think if I think that this is like the quote unquote final battle, considering there's still another. I don't know, 200 pages <laughs> like left of this book. Of the book left, yeah. <laughs> but like, I know that the majority, I know that at least 100 pages of that is them just like going back to the Shire <laughs> and saying goodbye to everyone. <laughs> I'm fairly certain of that, just given the titles of some of the chapters that they spend. It's such a funny thing <laughs> that Tolkien does because it, I feel like in most books that I read now it ends right after the end battle and you're like oh but what happens to all the characters you kind of want it to wrap up and what's gonna you know let's get some closure but yeah Tolkien's not short on the closure he really indulges you in in that yes he's like oh you mm-hmm. want you want more of an ending here you go here's a yeah. hundred pages you of want- it Fifty years later, I don't know if it goes fifty years later, but yeah, he like <laughs> make sure you know exactly what's happening. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. So this battle, everyone, all the soldiers flee from Theoden, which like, <laughs> good job, guys. You're what you had one job, which was to protect the king, and he he got hit, and then you run away. I mean, I guess I I can't talk much because they're being attacked by this like the darkest of beasts ever that they've seen but at the same time it's like yeah. that's what and you this... signed up to do though right well and as a nazgul as lord of the nazgul he has like they call it uh the black breath or black shadow so he kind of creates this aura that really like incapacitates his foes it kind of reminds me of like dementors like they're all just mm. like shocked and having a hard time even imagining 
being able to come up to battle against him. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Fine. <laughs> Except for one soldier. Who could it be? Dernhelm. Who I I love this line where it says that he was faithful beyond fear, which is just the antithesis to what we just read, where it says that the Lord of the Nazgul is turning hope to despair. Ooh. So they are perfectly matched foes here man listeners listeners i love it when one of the winters comes on because they come in with all this like (laughs) wonderful literary background and they come in having done the work meanwhile i'm like read doing a last minute read of the spark note summary just to make sure that i actually (laughs) remembered the chapter the way that it happened and then like on the other side of things the winters are just sitting on their computer like highlighting notes writing beautiful i'm sure like five paragraph essays with mla citations and (laughs) and everything so mine's not quite that (laughs) my notes are long but they're messy casey's are always like bulleted and like indented and yes oh i'm sure i'm sure his are very neat and organized in particular oh yeah he's just so sweet i was helping a friend move today and so he was like i came home and i was like yeah i gotta get things set up for recording and he's like oh i already did all that i didn't want you to you know like be stressed when you got home and i was like you're the best. He's the best. <laughs> Everyone who's listening right now who is a part of our um, Discord community, just go ahead, stop what you're doing right now, go in Discord and at Casey and just say you're the best with no context. You're the best. Don't don't <laughs> say don't say anything about like, oh, Mary Clay told me to say no, just say you're the best. And what will also be fun, Valerie, is that this episode that we're recording right now won't be out for another two weeks. So there's a good chance you and I might have forgotten about this. So all of a sudden <laughs> in our Discord, we'll just be like, wow, this people really like Casey. This is great. Oh, this is great. Everybody's so kind. <laughs> showing the love for Casey. <laughs> but yeah, so Dernhelm, the young, yeah. the faithful beyond fear. Yes, faithful beyond fear, which is... I've often read variations of like this idea that courage is courage is not the absence of fear, but of fear mm-hmm. facing it regardless of your fears. I feel like yes. there's a quote. I believe that Mia's dad says that. That's what I was saying. I was like, it's because it's Princess Diaries. Well, I was thinking, well, <laughs> and what- it's in the letter from Mia's dad. Courage is not the absence of fear but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. Yeah, that's it. Well, most, I was also thinking of, it's a, it's a lyric from Newsies. Courage cannot erase our fear. Courage is when we face our fear. But then my, my head, the second right behind that was, wait, I'm pretty sure that's also in Princess Diaries. Listeners, for those of you that don't know, Valerie and I connected deeply um, when I was Princess on for Diaries. an interview episode of Hello from Elsewhere, and we talked about um, Princess Diaries. So if you haven't listened <laughs> to that, go listen to that. And if you haven't watched Princess Diaries, go watch that. And then watch Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement, and then come back to this episode. <laughs> And then start writing letters to whoever is in charge to get us a Princess Diaries 3. Yes, we demand it. Speaking of princesses, sure, Dernhelm. You know, (laughs) she's a lady of Rohan. (laughs) So Mary is there kind of watching everything unfold. And um, (laughs) 
Uh, says, then out of the blackness in his mind, he thought that he heard Dernhelm speaking. Yet now the voice seemed strange, recalling some other voice that he had known. Hmm, curious. I wonder what that, I wonder what that, who could, he could possibly be reminded of. Interesting. I don't know. The Nazgul King is uh, approaching to kill Theoden, I guess, going for the final strike. Eowyn, or, I mean, Dernhelm jumps in. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> oh no, I ruined it. <laughs> Do what you will, but I will hinder it if I may. Hinder me, thou fool. No living man may hinder me. Then Mary heard of all sounds in that hour the strangest. It seemed that Durnhelm laughed, and the clear voice was like the ring of steel. But no living man am I. You look upon a woman. Eowyn, I am, Eowyn's daughter. You stand between me and my lord and kin. Be gone if you be not deathless, for living or dark undead, I will smite you if you touch him. He rips off his helmet and... (gasps) Eowyn? (laughs) No. (laughs) Never. Who could have possibly seen that coming? Never would have guessed that. No. Uh, I do love that Tolkien clings to this. Like, yeah, nobody's going to get it. It's a total surprise. Yeah. Like, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. This is the big twist. And, like, I genuinely, I kind of want to know if... So, even before I was, like, even introduced to Eowyn the character, I knew that there was a gif out there of someone taking a helmet off, and it said, and it's a woman who says, I am no man. I had zero yes. idea that it was from Lord of the Rings until okay. I think Tyler one day was like, that's really ironic that you use that gif a lot. And I was like, why? And then I was like, oh, it's it's from Lord of the Rings, isn't it? So that kind of clued me in. And then it's kind of like along the way, picking up pieces of hints that like different guests have dropped or, or let slip or like pieces that Tolkien has put in not so subtly sometimes. And so like... <laughs> A part of me wonders, right, she like... She says it's her dream to die in battle. Like, she's like, I want to be a warrior. So obviously she's going to go do it. Yeah. I just want to know if this twist genuinely would have gotten me or if I was just, like, too ahead of it and there was no use, like, tricking me. I don't know if that makes sense. Like... Right. Like, if somebody who had read this before the internet, before movies, did they read it and be like... Wait, what? Yeah. Dernhelm's Eowyn? Like, was it shocking to them? I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Or if, like, even back when this book first came out, if there were readers who were like, obviously, it's Eowyn. <laughs> Tolkien, you're not right. smart. <laughs> you think you're being so tricky, but you're not. So not fooling us. Uh, we will never know. Actually... I don't know. Maybe I'll take it upon... I'm not going to make any promises, but maybe I'll take it upon myself to try and, like, see if there's, you know, a documented source, maybe, like, reviews in newspapers or something. I don't know. Like, what did... Like, where would people have (laughs) left their thoughts about a book before the internet, you know? Before the internet. Like, or maybe I'll... You just need to talk to somebody who read it, pre the movies, at least. I know. You know, whoever was a fan back in, like, the 70s. 
80s. <laughs> I'll put a 90s even. maybe I'll put like a message out on on Reddit. Yeah, I bet you Reddit will. There you go. Will tell me. Be like, hey, they'll help you out. Did you read this before the movies and before the internet? Can you tell me if this was an actual plot twist or if this was like no Tolkien was not that tricky and we all like to make fun of him for that. I love when it says that that Dernhelm laughed because it made me think of Simba when he's like. Danger. I laugh in the face of danger. Ha 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 ha. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's facing down the king of the ring race and she's laughing. She's like, whatever, man. I've got this. Good for her. Carrying on with the Lucille Bluth quotes and comments. Where were we? Yes. <gasps> Eowyn. So they face off. She kills the beast, not to be confused with the dog in the sandlot. Yes, with one swing of her blade, man. She just like chops its long necked head off. Yum. Fun. Woman power. <laughs> <laughs> she is a warrior. The beast is killed, and then the capped r- Nazgul king. I don't, I never know what to call him. Nazgul king is. I guess what I usually yeah. call him, I think. Because Tolkien switches back and forth a lot. Because this one says the Black Rider. And a lot of times they just say the Nazgul. I like the Witch King of Angmar. That's Do my you know favorite. where <laughs> slash when that is said? Or his first question. Like if he's already I been referred like to mention... it by now in the book. Well, I'm not sure if they've referred to it in, in the book. Because, so I asked that because a lot of people, a lot of my guests are always like, oh yeah, the Witch King. And I think that's so interesting mm-hmm. because I don't think at any, unless I totally glossed over it, I don't think at any point in the book, at least up to this point, they call him the Witch King. And I just think that's so interesting because I, I guess that's a movie thing then. Yeah, maybe it is that they use it there more. Well, he is, so his history, he worked with Sauron and Sauron gives him one of the nine rings of power and he becomes like one of Sauron's, you know, like his right hand man. And then Sauron is defeated, semi defeated, I guess. And he goes off um, and creates his own kingdom in the north, uh, the you know, the kingdom of Angmar. And so he is often uh, picking away at the northern uh, kingdoms like the Dunedain and others. And so he's working uh, working evils from up in the north. And so he is the king of Angmar. And he is, they call him the witch king because as a, I thought was, this was interesting. I was So a, a wraith is someone who has been killed and yet they're still living uh, like through black magic. Uh, in this case, it would be through the magic of the ring. So as he is slowly dying as a human, he becomes, uh, you know, an undead. That's why he can't be killed, because he has the black magic of, of Sauron kind of tying him to this this earth still. And yeah, so he is, I don't, I don't know, I just really love the title, Witch King. I think it's a great title, because usually you think of a witch as a female, you know, he's not like the wizard king, but witch king just sounds so yeah, much cooler. <laughs> let's take let's take all those female titles and give them back to the men. <laughs> 
No, I'm just kidding. Witch King does sound very cool. But I do like, so he's not just a wraith, he's a ring wraith because he was made a wraith through the power of the ring. Yes, thank you for all of that uh, linguistics breakdown. It's always good to hear that from a, a filtered source since I don't want to spoil myself right you don't want to do the research yeah (laughs) exactly that see that's why i don't do any research ahead of time i don't want to spoil myself yeah that's it exactly why so eowyn is hurt badly and then mary gets up and this is when i was like losing my mind i swear to god is the thing that i joked about no i think i have to quit now Right? Because I think it's in the episode that, as we're recording, it came out today. I jokingly predicted and was like, a couple chapters ago, I wrote, you know, I guess technically Pippin could kill the Nazgul king. And I was like Mm -hmm. joking about it (laughs) because I didn't ever, ever think that would actually happen. And I'm like kind of mad about it. But it still goes, I think it's still so great because when they say that no man will kill him, I think they're for no human man. And so it's kind of a a dual effort between, you know, a hobbit and a female. I, well, okay. All right. Getting ahead of myself. So first, Mary, so he kind of comes to his senses and it says, but suddenly he too stumbled forward with a cry of bitter pain and his stroke went wide, driving into the ground. Mary's sword had stabbed him from behind, shearing through the black mantle and passing up beneath the hauberk, sure, that pierced the sinew behind his mighty knee. Ooh, the back of the knee. (laughs) Yum. Back of the knee. You have to get to what you can reach when you're a hobbit. That's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. He's and the witch king is especially tall. tall. Yeah. <laughs> so Mary comes in and gives him that nice little stabby stab. Well, and I love that. Well, just before or a little bit before that, it says, and suddenly the slow kindled courage of his race awoke. So I love that line of the hobbits being small but mighty. Like they, they can really be put to the test. And, and pass with flying colors when it comes down to it, which I love. And that's why all the hobbits are Hufflepuffs. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and there's also, so there's some things to remember here. The Witch King's armor is impenetrable to anything other than normal blades um, because it was built by, or not built by, but like he is enchanted uh, through the, you know, his black magics. And, and as we know, he's an undead. Sauron has... you know made him into a wraith so he can't be killed normally anyways but mary's blade his little knife isn't any old blade this is what i was like kind of confused about because later later on so later on it mentions something it has this little thing about his sword and that it like withered away and it totally like dried up in a thing of smoke i guess yeah it just kind of vanishes i was like so Mary also has a magic sword. I guess everyone I guess everyone in this series at this point has a magic sword. I don't know. So do do the thing now where you explain things to me. <laughs> <laughs> this one I love because Tolkien has been planting these little seeds from the beginning about this sword being special, but they're really subtle. We talked about how sometimes he's not so subtle. In this case he really was. He so the swords, if you remember, um 
which are like human length knives, uh, but work for a hobbit, as Tom Bombadil says. When so Tom Bombadil saves the hobbits from the white. Yes, is that how you say it? Anyways, and um, and then from the white's borrow the you know borrow he like goes through all of his treasures and finds the four human knives of curious workmanship there and that's why they call them borrow blades because Bombadil pulled them from the white sparrow mm-hmm. and Bombadil told them he said that these blades were forged by the men of westerness so the men of the westerness are men who live in the north and they would have been ones fighting hang on let's pause for a minute the men of the okay. westerness live in the north yeah. <laughs> live in the north yes <laughs> can i let let's let's all just like collectively why Tolkien? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the Northwest. Okay. Anyway, you continue. Know, somewhere up in that area. Yeah. So these men are up in the north, and they would have been having to fight against the kingdom of Angmar. And then remember that Tolkien and or not Tolkien that Merry and Pippin are carried off by the orcs. Oh yes, I remember. And they lose their blades. Okay. Yeah, and they lose their blades. The orcs take them. So when Aragorn finds the blades among the orcs after, you know, tracking Merry and Pippin, right. he recognizes their blades and he says that the orcs would have feared to keep them, quote, knowing them for what they are, work of westerness, wound about with spells for the bane of Mordor. So he's talking about the hobbit's swords that have been made with special spells so that they can fight the kingdom of Angmar, which was led by the Witch King. So these swords have been slowly coming back. Um, actually, the last chapter that I was on with you uh, was the Flotsam and Jetsam chapter. Right. The and words that I didn't think were real words. <laughs> yeah. And Aragorn returns the knife slash swords to um, Merry and Pippin saying, here are some treasures that you let fall. You will be glad to have them back. And so Tolkien has been (laughs) feeding them these swords and just little hints about, oh, they're really ancient because they're made by the men of the Westerness. Anyways, when I was doing my research, I was like, what? This blew my mind. (laughs) I I don't know why, but that makes me mad. (laughs) Oh, why does it make you mad? I don't know. Because I think it's just because, like, Tolkien, he spent so much time prepping this tiny detail and and paying so much That's what attention I love about it. to this. I think in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's that important that, like, we make sure to know about the history of this sort. Like, I think he, <laughs> it, like, sure, it makes it a much more dramatic moment, but it it just, <laughs> it really goes, I mean, it, it makes total sense, given what, what, like, I know about Tolkien and his writing style and how he pays attention to the details that, like, I particularly don't really think matter that much, such as the names <laughs> of all of the horses. Okay, well, thank you for I that love explanation. It. Tolkien's into minutia. He likes the details of I mean, the little things. I mean, that's an understatement. And then the big things, he's like, well, and then the battle ended. And you're like, okay, wait, okay. That's it. Okay, I think that, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there of why this makes me mad is because it is the bigger things that he's like, 
And then Aragorn showed up and the battle ended. Yes. <laughs> and, and I'm like, what? No! Let me make sure to tell you about how the blade disappears for some mysterious reason because it was made from magic and because the, uh, so like the Witch King, uh, one of the curses that's on him is that swords will, like any tool used against him will be broken right. and that the user will be um, kind of poisoned. So that's also affecting uh, Mary and Eowyn because Mary mentions that he can't use, he can only use his left hand now. So like his sword arm, his right arm is no longer working. Like he can't feel it. Oh, okay. I didn't make the connection that it was because of that. I thought he had just like hurt it in the battle or something. Okay. Right. Anyway, so... You're going to be bugged about the sword forever. I really am. I really am. So, you know what? If it makes you feel any better, they don't mention the sword at all in the movies. So, there you go. That does make me feel better. Thank you. I'm sure this battle is the majority of Return of the King. And then the other majority is is them saying goodbye to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. But anyway. Um, Yeah. All right, so let's just get to the part that I think everyone listening has been waiting for me to get to since I started this podcast. Um, I kind of had that feeling going into this chapter that that a lot of people were like, oh, this chapter, this is the one that's going to change your mind. And this is the one that like is going to really come in and, and surprise you. Then, tottering, struggling up with her last strength, she drove her sword between crown and mantle as the great shoulders bowed before her. The sword broke sparkling into many shards. The crown rolled away with a clang. Eowyn fell forward upon her fallen foe, but lo, the mantle and hauberk were empty. Shapeless, they lay now on the ground, torn and tumbled, and a cry went up into the shuddering air and faded to a shrill wailing, passing with the wind a voice bodiless and thin that died and was swallowed up and was never heard again in that age of this world the end no i'm just kidding (laughs) except for feels like it should be the grand ending of the chapter it does but it's not yeah i'm not sure i like this (laughs) Uh uh-oh and i think that's kind of what steers me a little wrong about this moment is that i think this i think tolkien meant this to be a really huge moment but the way that he structured this chapter, it it's like the first thing that happens in this chapter. And then other things happen afterwards. So I don't like I don't know if that makes if that makes sense for like how I, I feel right. about it's this. It's kind moment. of like if it had if it had been the final thing to happen in the chapter, it would have felt more climactic versus just another thing that happens. Yeah. That's it, yeah. He just like really packs this chapter with a lot of things. For example, Theoden's dead. Except, just kidding, he's not. Oh, Theoden's not dead. Okay, good. (laughs) Oh, but he is dying. Okay. He's still alive right now. (laughs) He's been laying there under his horse dying this whole time. He's been dying this whole time. Real pleasant. Um, so once again, this happened once again where it happened with Faramir. 
It's now happened with Theoden, where I was like, oh, no, Theoden's dead. And then they come back to him because it says, like, Theoden opened his eyes and they were clear and he spoke in a quiet voice, though labored. And I was like, oh, I guess he's alive then. Um, and right. then he goes, farewell. Wait, Mary Clay, we need- <laughs> yes. I was going to say, we need to go back. How do you feel about Aomir, or Aomir, Aowen slaying the Witch King? I don't think we got your full res- your full reaction here. I'm kind of underwhelmed. I'm not impressed. <laughs> TBH, I'm not impressed. And like, I don't care. I think people can come yeah. at me. I'm sure it's a very cool moment in the movie. But I think, I think the fact that like, I was pretty certain I knew what was going to happen and that it was zero surprise. I think, I think the surprise of the moment would have made it a lot cooler and a lot more like, oh, this is amazing. I never saw that coming. But like, I saw this coming several chapters ago. <laughs> yes, because with the books, it's kind of led up to and he keeps saying, you know, no man can slay the Witch King. And whereas in the movies, uh, it definitely feels more sudden. And I just remember being, let's see, how old was I when Return of the King came out? Like 15, I think, somewhere around there. Um, and I remember just thinking it was like the coolest moment as she just like you know takes him down but you'll have to yeah you'll have to watch the movies and see how you feel about it then because i do think a lot of people confuse how they feel about eowyn from the movies versus the books and her Mm -hmm. taking down the witch king i can definitely see see that happening and that's happened that happens with a lot of a lot of characters and a lot of like moments and stuff that's why i got so much flack about boromir (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) it's because like he's a lot more I don't know, his death is very... Redeemed. Yeah, like, in the movies, apparently. I say apparently, having, in some part of my brain, I have seen Boromir die on screen, because I have watched Fellowship of the Ring. The first. I have zero memory of it, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. I think at the time I was like, oh, that dude died, because I didn't know any of their names. That was the I didn't know any of their names. It's like, I know that the dude with the beard is Gandalf. I know the blue-eyed short one is Elijah Wood. I mean, Frodo. And <laughs> I know that the beautiful elf is Legolas. And that was it, I think. <laughs> for for who I knew, all these characters. Those the are the were. main characters. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's all you need to know. No, I'm totally curious to see, you know, I'm excited to watch or listen along as you watch the movies and to see how you feel like the story plays out differently book versus movie because honestly I think there are so many uh, really great calls that they made in the making of the movie where in the books you're like well this is dragging on and in the movie they can cut it so much shorter (laughs) well I already know that I'm gonna give Fellowship of the Ring a zero out of zero for Tom Bombadil appearances (laughs) Already but mad. then who I will give Mary myself. the knife? <laughs> already mad about that. Um, the but super yeah, important knife. Uh, that was a great, like, thank you for, for stopping me from moving forward so we could reflect back on this moment that I'm sure is a lot of because people's Because we as the listeners moments. want to know. I'm sure. And I'm sorry, listeners, if, I, if you're like, this is disappointing for me to hear. <laughs> but if, if, you're, if you're disappointed, then... Boy, howdy, can you imagine what I'm feeling right now? <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not disappointed. I, maybe, you know, maybe I am disappointed. I don't know. 
No, I think I think I'm just underwhelmed. Right, which is is fair. That's valid. But I think that I mean, if we only get three mentioned females in all of Lord of the Rings, pretty cool that one of those takes down, you know, the biggest foe. I think that's that's one of my issues. Is I'm like. That's cool and all, but, like, that still doesn't excuse the fact that you have three good female characters and they only appear once every 300 pages. And, <laughs> and like, that's why it doesn't... I think that's also another reason for why I'm, like, not impressed here. Because I'm like, that's great, but, like, you're, like, almost almost there, but, but not really. You're a little confused, but he got the spirit. I don't know. But that's the time, too, in 1956, yeah. Yeah, when The I Return know. of the King is published. To have a female do anything awesome is pretty rare. Yeah, it was pretty empowering when women got to leave the house. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They showed their ankles. That's why all the hippies loved this book. Because (laughs) the women were powerful. They were few, but they were mighty. uh, Few indeed. So, (laughs) yeah. So, Mary goes over to Theoden. And we see that, egad, he is alive after all. Except, just kidding. He is dying. My body is broken. I go to my father's, Theoden says. Um, And... Aomer comes over and uh, says goodbye, and Theoden. Oh, and Theoden at one point is like, "Oh, if only Eowyn were here." And Mary's like, "Well, actually, she is." <laughs> and that's when, <laughs> He's like, about to, yeah. yeah. And then Aomer and everyone come over and are like, "No," and uh, Theoden dies. Okay, now he's dead, right? Rip. I can't say I'm too surprised because it's a miracle that he made it this far at all, I think. It's true. When old men go to battle, it's pretty sure they're going to meet their demise. Also, like, once again, with Tolkien not being super subtle in the previous chapter. No. Yes. No. (laughs) Two chapters ago. Wait. In the muster of Rohan, in that chapter, um, he is like when they're leaving to go to battle. When they first get the message from Gondor that they need help, Theoden's like, "Goodbye, I'll never see you again. Goodbye, <laughs> off to my last battle." Tolkien's very heavy-handed with like Theoden looked at Eowyn as if he would never see her alive again, and it's like, "Well, you're you're not wrong." Yeah, so Theoden dies. I guess Aomir Aomir quotes a nice little poem or, you know, makes poem a poem up on the field. I don't know. He's like, (laughs) I know. I never know when they just like randomly like burst into song or recite a poem. I'm like, are you reciting something that you're just making up or are you reciting something that's like a tradition for your people? I think I'm just going to go with Aomir is, uh, you know, he's the new king of Rohan now and he's just a poet king. That's what he does. Yeah. He just spouts poetry on the field here. Yeah, there we go. He's a poet king. Yes, that's a good thing to bring up also that now that Theoden has died, Aomer is the king. They come across Eowyn's body as well. And they're like, oh, no, Eowyn's dead. Wait, what? Eowyn's not dead, right? And Mary's like, well, actually, and no one listens to him. Actually, I don't even think he speaks up or anything, but like they just <laughs> nobody even notices Mary. It's not He's like right there. And they don't see him at all. <laughs> oh, that's right. I think like 
I think it literally says that, like... Right, a little later it says, And still Meridoc the Hobbit stood there blinking through his tears, and no one spoke to him. Indeed, none seemed to heed him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shoot, what was I going to say? Well, we have to talk about Aomir's reaction here, because when Theoden dies, he's like, Guys, that's sad, but we need to go on to war. And then when he sees that Eowyn's there and Eowyn died... Is quote-unquote dead. (laughs) Is quote-unquote dead. He's like, loses it, man. Like, the death of his sister breaks him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's like, he just... What does it say? It says, Eowyn, how come you here? What madness or devilry is this? Death, 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 death take us all. Just like the most dramatic thing. (laughs) In any other situation, I'd be like, oh, that's so sweet. He cares so much about her. But he, again, someone in, where are they, Middle Earth, needs to teach, like, a basic, like, CPR or first aid class. (laughs) God, these men are so dumb, thinking everyone. Like, does no one know how to check for a pulse? (laughs) Where you learn how to check someone's pulse. Or even, like, just, like, put your ear over their mouth and be like, oh, yeah, they're breathing. Mm -hmm. Or, like, not even just stand there and stare and see if her chest moves up and down. (laughs) You know? Like, this is not the first time that this has happened where someone in this book where someone has been like, oh, I can't believe they're dead. And it's like, they are not dead at all. They are still alive. (laughs) The people in this book do a lot of premature grieving. So, like... I don't think you can necessarily blame me for constantly thinking that characters are dead before they've actually died. <laughs> right. And it's like, is it Tolkien just trying to play up the drama? And be dramatic. And, and yeah. like hope, hope that you'll think that they are actually dead. Or, I mean, because these men of these, you know, the Rohirrim, they've been to battle before. They should know some standard uh, battlefield CPR, first aid, medical care. Uh, so yeah, otherwise they've lost, they've left a lot of men behind in a lot of places. <laughs> I know, yeah, they're like, it does, well, uh, they were dead. I, I think. I think I wrote that down so when they they go into the city or something, and someone's like, "Wait, she's alive." I wrote down, "Okay, one of these days, someone is gonna die because he was actually just wounded, and everyone thought he was already dead." It's like, what's going to (laughs) happen? Is someone's like bleeding out and could be saved? And they're like, oh, I can't believe he died. What a what a bummer. Uh, Jumping back there just a bit. Do want to take some time and point out once again, Tolkien's love for horses. He makes sure to give Snowmane a a funeral and they bury Snowmane and they give him a marker and a little poem and a, and a little ceremony before they, they walk away. The poor horse. Poor groom's bride is a horse. Yeah, so they come back together and the prince of... The prince... <laughs> I don't remember his name. <laughs> of Dol Amroth. Okay, yeah, that one. Is what he's prince of. And Im- uh, Imrahil is his name. Okay. Yes, him says she is hurt to the death, maybe, but I deem that she yet lives. And I was like, oh, thank God he's here. Because, like, <laughs> otherwise they would have, like, buried her alive without realizing it or something. If you'll remember, was it two chapters ago? He's the one who carries Faramir off the field, too. 
So thanks goodness for Prince Imrahil because he actually has a I good sho- head he's on like his shoulders. He showed up randomly in in the <laughs> nick of time, and he's actually proving very useful. <laughs> I think. Well, in the book, it says that he's Faramir's kin. When I was doing research, it says that he's Faramir's uncle, which is interesting. That's so random. Hopefully on uh, his mother's side and not on Denethor's side. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Because then that, oh, because, yeah, because then that would mean that he's Denethor's brother. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's just so random. Which we never even hear anything about, well, any mothers, but let alone Faramir and Boromir's mother. That is true. It's like, where are all these people's moms? Yeah. <laughs> Where are the moms? They would be, they would be performing CPR. They on their would children definitely out be on out the there checking pulses before they declared they anyone's deaths. A hundred percent. So they get ready to go back to battle now, and Aomer and all of the princes and the leaders of the armies that are that are left still, they all go back to battle, and in the distance they see on the sea. A bunch of black ships of the enemy. Wait. Oh, wait. What did I miss? Mary Clay, before you go there, were you so excited that the Moomakil were back? I did pause and I did. <laughs> I was like, "Is are, are those the Oliphants? <laughs> yeah, those are the Oliphants. Why he gives them a different name, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was like... But I, it's another name for the Oliphants. I was like, I think those are the Oliphants. It mentions that they're, like, stomping around everywhere, and mm-hmm. um, certain people are being crushed to death, so that's fun. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, those are the Oliphants, right? And then I was like, I don't have I don't have time to be... To, to spend my energy on this anymore. I... <laughs> I did that, but that was pre- look. That was pre. That was pre-pandemic. That was pre-corona, where I had extra energy to spend on useless things, and like I don't have that energy anymore to <laughs> to be screaming about oliphants. Although fair enough, but I do think that you said that Tolkien. Oh, because we were talking about it on your secret page. Like, you know, on, on Discord, there's the, the right. spoilers page. Yes. And we were talking about how you said that there, you were like, great, Tolkien spends a whole page talking about these Oliphants, these giant elephants, and we're never even going to see them again. Well, they do come back for one more brief mention. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, that's what I was about to say. So I was like, well, to his credit, at least he did bring them back. So I guess that's all I can say about that. And that's all I have to say about that. So... Yeah, so off in the distance, they see a horde of black ships, and they're of the enemy, and hope is gone. They're all accepting defeat, but still fighting onward. Aomer is fighting. He's like, if I die, I die here. We have to fight. And then there flowered a white tree, and that was for Gondor, but seven stars were about it and a high crown above it the signs of Elendil that no lord had borne for years beyond count. And the stars flamed in the sunlight, for they were wrought of gems by Arwen, daughter of Elrond. And the crown was bright in the morning, for it wrought of mithril and gold. Thus came Aragorn, son of Arathorn, Elisar, Isildur's heir, out of the paths of the dead, bored upon the wind from the sea to the kingdom of Gondor. Oh... Oh, snap! 
Here comes Aragorn. And there he is, guys. Aragorn coming in to steal what I would say is Eowyn's thunder. (laughs) (laughs) Tolkien does write those right back to back. I feel like Eowyn was robbed because Aragorn comes in here with this dramatic entrance and dramatic ending for the chapter, and that should have gone to Eowyn. It's like, this is going to... Please, you know what? Just go ahead. I can feel it now that the the good place is deducting my points with what I'm about to say. But <laughs> it's like when you're watching Dance Moms and you know that Chloe should have won first place, but Maddie got it instead and Maddie gets everything and Chloe is so patient and hardworking and nice and she's a beautiful dancer, but she's not Abby's favorite. So she never gets the treatment that she deserves. So that will resonate with a fair few amount of people, and that's okay. Valerie Dance Moms is a trash TV show that I do not recommend falling (laughs) down the rabbit hole of. I am aware of it, but I have never seen any of it. Don't start. I watched it in high school, I think, and then it had like several seasons, and it's so dramatic and so trash, but it's so addicting. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just about these little girls who are on a competition dance team and all of the drama that their moms cause. Anywho, I hope that metaphor resonates with some people, though. Because parents have to live through their children. I mean, look at Denethor. He was living his life through Boromir. (laughs) And now he's certainly... He's certainly not not happy about having to live his life through Faramir now, especially because at this point <laughs> yeah. in the book, Denethor is like, oh, I can't believe Faramir's dead and Faramir is not dead. Once again, <laughs> the characters being like, oh, man, rip. Rest in peace. So sad. <laughs> They're still alive. Faramir is still alive. Theoden was still alive when... There was like a moment where it was talking about like everyone running and grieving and Mary being sad and but and I'm like he's still alive. Let's let's at least wait for him to stop breathing before we we be sad about him. We're okay. Bury him. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be like an Edgar Allan Poe story. Ooh, yeah. They get buried alive. <laughs> I'm telling you, these 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 soldiers have had to have buried alive a couple sol- a couple people by now at some point in their lives. Yeah. But they're very lacking skills here. Yeah. Of being able to tell their life first and death. skills, yeah. So anyway, Aragorn comes in in the nick of time with Gimli and Legolas and Halbarad, who, if you remember, is basically Aragorn too, and Eladin and Elrohir, which are random elves that just showed up. And Tolkien was like, and they were twins and also the sons of Elrond. And here they are. Here you go, Aragorn and and crew. They are there with the army of the dead that Aragorn raised from the paths of dead. And then all of that. Okay, so I was confused about that, though, because it talks about everybody else coming off the ships and fighting. Like all of the, you know, the Dunedain, the rangers of the north are leading all these people. Um, but it doesn't say anything about the undead. So what? They help them get the ships and then they're not there anymore? That's what makes me mad. Hang on. Let me. I feel like there was a line about. I read it and then I had Casey read it because I was like, am I missing something? Because 
they do it kind of differently in the movie. And so I was like, am I like, what am I missing here? And I was like, I don't see any line that says like that the undead are on the ship with them. So are they done already? Oh, here we go. Here we go. I think this is the only reference to it's the army of the dead that is now fighting against them. So it's right after this line of, uh, and there's Aragorn, son of Arathorn, um, the mirth of the Rohirrim was a torrent of laughter and a flashing of swords, and the joy and wonder of the city was a music of trumpets and ringing, a ringing of bells. But the hosts of Mordor were seized with bewilderment and a great wizardry, it seemed to them, that their own ships should be filled with their foes. And a black dread fell on them, knowing that the tides of fate had turned against them and their doom was at hand. So I think it's just the general, it says when it says filled with their foes i kind of read that as that's their army that is or that's the army of the dead that are on their ships i suppose it could be i was just picturing because then you read on and when everybody's you know coming off the ships and it says there came legolas and gimli and halbarad and and you know and ranges of the north and listing like everybody but anybody who's undead and so i was picturing like all of those just being the foes that they are referring to there and it's but I mean I totally so I get I totally get what you're saying because that was that was my gripe with this is that we had I mean I might be so I might be very wrong I might have totally misread this and the army of the dead is going to show up 50 pages from now and they're not actually here at all <laughs> I don't know um but I well, because was I was trying to re- I haven't read the f- previous chapters to this so or at least not this time around. Um, so you saw Aragorn go and get the undead army, and then is this the next time you see him? So yeah. So the last we saw of Aragorn, this is okay. so this this is where I take issue here. Is we had all of the like all of these characters were up in arms about Aragorn going to the paths of the dead and raising this army, and he's gonna die doing this, and no one returns from the paths of the dead, and this is a crazy thing that he's doing. And he went all emo and got really dark and was like, I'm going to go raise the army of the dead. And the <laughs> last we see of him and everyone else that he's with is he has like done the ceremony to raise the army and then they go to bed and it ends with like, and the dead followed them. Let me see if I can okay. find that. Actually. So maybe we'll get a flashback in the next couple of chapters. They're like, this is what happened at the, you know, in between. I don't know. I mean, because they maybe, wanted to leave know. it being a grand reveal. Yeah, so the last so. we saw of them, it ended with, but the next day there came no dawn and the great company passed on into the darkness of the storm of Mordor and were lost to mortal sight, but the dead followed them. So the last we saw, he had raised the army and they were coming to mm-hmm. this battle. Um, and so that, okay. that's what my gripe is here, is that there was all of this big commotion about raising the army of the dead and and them coming to help and all this stuff. And it is wrapped up in less, it's two short paragraphs where it talks about the battle (laughs) where from like the point where Aragorn shows up with the backup and the battle ending and them winning it. It is very short. And I'm like, that seems like you really just kind of rushed over that part Tolkien buddy, I don't know if you needed to meet deadline, if you just didn't feel like writing, (laughs) you know, the umpteenth battle, because it's also like, it's not that fun to read a battle. 
it's a lot more fun to watch a battle unfold on a movie yes. or a TV Very show. True. So, like, maybe he was just tired of writing that. It's kind of like how J.K. Rowling in, like, books four and five found ways to get out of writing Quidditch because she didn't like writing Quidditch matches. <laughs> So you can only do it so many times. So maybe he was like, and then everyone showed up and it ended the end. And and he just, I, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe we will get a jump back and we'll get more information about what happened with Aragorn on on his side of things. I, I've zero, I, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that <laughs> this battle is wrapped up super quick like aragorn shows mm-hmm. up you flip the page and the battle is over on the next page yes i do like this line that it says that and so at length so you know some pie some it time was a passed long there. battle definitely but we don't <laughs> so- know that we, i mean like the only reason we know it was long <laughs> is because he said it was long yeah. and <laughs> yeah and so at length Eomir and Aragorn met in the midst of the battle and they leaned on their swords and looked on one another and were glad yeah i like how they they have to like so they walk. just take a little breather they're like, on hey, their dude. swords hey dude you know, yeah glad you didn't die thanks <laughs> they're exhausted. glad glad you're still alive oh are you king now yeah my dad my my surrogate father died yeah oh bummer my uncle's dead all right i've got some zombie armies let's do this and then they they fought (laughs) and in that hour the great battle of the field of gondor was over and not one living foe was left within the circuit of the ramas all were slain save those who fled to die or to drown in the red foam of the river so that's the end of the battle which is pleasant the red foam of the river you're like yeah blood there's another line uh, then the sun went at last behind Mindoluin, sure, and filled all the sky with the great burning, so that the hills and the mountains were dyed as with blood. Fire glowed in the river, and the glass of the Pelennor lay red in the nightfall. So there's a lot of blood, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe we don't get the whole battle, but we see a lot of blood. We see a lot of after effects of the battle. Yes, and they all ride back to the city, to Minas Tirith, to regroup. Um, they have lost a lot of people. It mentions a bunch of names, the majority of which I do not recognize, except for Halbarad, who was Aragorn too. And yeah. a bunch of other people died, and it ends with a long poem slash song about this Battle of Gondor. Okay, so here's where it bugged me most about <laughs> Eowyn's story yeah here is that like theoden gets a line there theoden fell okay he died what about the line that says and there eowyn saved all of our butts because she killed the witch king i also had the exact same thought i'm like huh interesting that you didn't include eowyn in this in this poem about this history about the battle this oral history that'll be passed down for generations i had to tell myself that it was because this is a poem about the people that we lost and eowyn didn't die and Mm. maybe she gets her own song i I should hope so i don't think that ever happens i doubt it but you know (laughs) this is true it is a song about you know all of those who who died but also men write history and they write out the women. Amen. Or should I say a woman? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so that's how the chapter ends. It really feels like Tolkien rushed a couple things here. Because I think that, I think that, like, Eowyn killing the Witch King, I think Aragorn showing up, and the long, and also, let hang on, pause. Let's, like, go back and feel, like, the earth quaking because I just said that Tolkien rushed something. I don't think ever... <laughs> I don't think ever in the history of yeah. Lord of the Rings or J.R.R. Tolkien scholars has anyone said Tolkien rushed this. But like, right? You can spend three weeks in a ravine with Sam and and exactly. Frodo and like, I feel like this could have been at least two kind of longer chapters where maybe like there's a chapter about Eowyn's battle with the Witch King and Theoden dying. And then there's a chapter about Aragorn showing up and the big like finale to the battle rather than the like two paragraphs of and there was blood everywhere and then they won. Yeah. When I requested this chapter, I was like, okay, which chapter has Eowyn defeat the Witch King? Because I want to talk about that. And so I like skimmed and I was like, oh, here it is. And then as I was actually reading it, I was like, oh, I 100% didn't remember that Aragorn comes in this exact same chapter. Like, these are really close together. Yeah. It's, all, it's also just, it's a super short chapter. It's like 10 pages. Yeah, exactly. it's not long. Yeah. It's yeah. very short. <laughs> so like, I don't know, I'm just laughing, man, that like, Never before did I ever think I would ever say, oh, man, I wish that Tolkien had taken longer writing this part <laughs> and spent <laughs> spent more time on this. I'm so, I feel I feel bad because like <laughs> this is obviously a chapter that you have been looking forward to. I'm sure it's a chapter that many other listeners were looking forward to, like hearing my reaction. And I just like came on here and ragged on it. So do you have do you have any like thoughts or tidbits you want to share about the chapter? I don't think you have ruined anybody's uh, love of Eowyn here, so I wouldn't worry about that. Oh, I, think- I mean, don't get me wrong. Eowyn definitely still deserves better. She's better than all of them, and I will write my version of Lord of the Rings called, what did I say it was going to be called? Like, Eowyn, A Tale of Spite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, don't get me wrong. Eowyn's still great. I just, I think... I think she has been to say what the what the youths would say they did her a dirty. It could have been more with Eowyn, um, but I do think, like we said, for the time period, the era in which it was written, and for the era in which Eowyn lived in Middle Earth, where she wasn't even supposed to be on a battlefield, she was definitely standing up for what she wanted, chasing her dreams, you know, protecting the people she loved. And taking down a witch king. True. Fair. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WB&E. For more podcasts on the network, like this one. I messed it up. Never mind. (laughs) Also, I have to have you (laughs) give your plugs. I'm all out of sorts. Valerie, where can people find you on the internet? Well, my husband Casey and I, we host a podcast called Hello from Elsewhere. So you can follow along with us at elsewhere underscore pod on Instagram or Twitter. I don't think I've asked this question in a while to my guests, but what's something that you're enjoying right now that you think other listeners would also enjoy right now? Whether it's a book, a TV show, a movie, etc. Mm, if you want another t- another book full of, uh, well, it's a little more dystopian than Lord of the Rings, but I'm enjoying Red Rising. It's another one where the authors 
sometimes long-winded and sometimes <laughs> too short. But I am still enjoying it. <laughs> uh, and who is that by? Because that sounds super uh, familiar. Is it Pierce Brown? Is that what, that's what's coming to mind. That could be what wrong. this book? Because it sounds super familiar. Red Rising. Maybe I've seen the, t- the Red Rising. I had an book. interview with Ryan from the Sorta of po- Sto- sort of Star Wars podcast on Hello from Elsewhere, and he talked about Red Rising, Red Rising uh, which is why I started reading it. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so I just started the third. Go read that book if you want another book with a lot of detail, right? Of yes. <laughs> heavy-handed author. I don't know. I don't know if I would want to read another one of those. <laughs> I do think that once you're done with, you know, the the Lord of the Rings books and then the movies and then The Hobbit and the and movies. And those movies. <laughs> you could... And then those movies, right? And then you could start your your fanfic about Eowyn and just read us one chapter a week of of what you have written. Oh, that's an idea. Tyler did just text <laughs> me. He texted me this week or a couple days ago and was like, so have you given any thought to what you would do after you're done with all the Tolkien stuff? And I was like, not a clue. Ne- I'll text him right now and be like, I'm going to read Lord of the Rings fan fiction that I wrote myself. <laughs> and they're going to be like, you, exactly. you are off the network. <laughs> we are not no, producing that. No, we 100% that. want an Eowyn story where she gets all that she deserves. Oh, man. I feel like it would be a lot shorter of a book if they just let her do do her thing, you know? If they just let Eowyn do her thing the first time that she asked, I think in like two towers, yeah. maybe maybe this would be a shorter a shorter journey. Less people would have died. Maybe Theoden would still be alive. Who knows? I don't know. You gotta let those mothers on the field and right? Eowyn to take down the kings and right. we'll be set. Right. That's what I'm talking about as a proud member of WBNE. You can learn more about the network by going to WBNE.org and you can also listen to all of our shows there, including Bagels. Hello, I'm Tyler Carlin, and I love you. And I'm Emily Carlin, and I love you too. And if you love someone or you love love, you should listen to our new podcast, Bagels. We're not experts, but we sure would like to be. And we believe the best way to get better at something is to practice. So listen to our story as it unfolds as young parents. As best friends. As husband and wife. As we explore what relationships mean to us and to those around us. Bagels, available now at WBNE.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The cover is by Graphite, a.k.a. Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Tolkien About Pod, and you can also join the Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter at MC WhatsApp and on Instagram at MC Turn Down for What. And um, future Mary Clay is going to jump in here, I think, with some other announcements. The schedule's all messed up because I said the, you know what, just here's future Mary Clay with the rest of the announcements. <laughs> If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash Pod. This week's sponsor is Danny. Danny, thank you so much for your continued support of the podcast. I appreciate it a lot. Um, like I said, if you want to become a sponsor or get access to other tiers, go to Tolkien About... Nope. Go to patreon.com slash Pod. You can also support the podcast by getting a super shout out. 
What's a super shout out, you say? Well, it's a one-time payment uh, for a sponsored message, is the word, that I will say on the show. Um, And we have options available for individuals and businesses. So let's say you're a person who has started a podcast about interior decoration. That would be a really hard podcast to have considering that's a visual topic, but whatever. And you want people to know about your podcast. I can't think of a name for an interior design podcast, but you want people to know about it and listen to it. So you can do that with a super shout out. Let's say you're a business who sells really cute lemonade stand kits for kids to set up on their own and have their own lemonade stands. Um, And you want people to know about that. You can go to wbne.org and get a super shout out to do that and spread the message about your service or your product or whatever it is that you are creating. Okay, so the discussion question from a couple weeks ago was, what was a memorable um, or dramatic entrance from a book, TV show, movie, whatever that sticks out in your mind? Brian in our Discord sent a gif of someone from Star Wars that I don't know. Um, I had to text Tyler and Ethan and say, who is this? And... Ethan was like, what is wrong with you? That's Obi-Wan Kenobi. So Brian said Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, At some point in the franchise of Star Wars, he has a dramatic entrance. I don't know when. Um, And Ryan, not to be confused with Brian, also sent a gif of someone I don't know from Star Wars. (laughs) It's just a gif of someone very slowly, dramatically lighting. It's a red lightsaber that's just slowly lighting up the screen. Um, I'm sure everyone listening knows what gif or scene in the movie I'm talking about and who that person is. I don't, but there you go. And there's also some uh, some some love and recognition given to Draco Malfoy's entrance in A Very Potter Musical, which I agree with. Someone say Draco Malfoy! Classic. On Instagram, Link Buchanan gave a mention, a shout out to when Azula is revealed as the Kyoshi warrior in Ba Sing Se, and it's not Suki and the other Kyoshi warriors, and you find out that, oh crap, <laughs> uh, I think the Earth Nation's about to go down. And uh, a lot of people said, of course, on your left. Captain Sam, can you hear me? On your left. I think we're good now to go back to past Mary Clay, where she will finish the rest of this and end the show. Okay, goodbye. And then this week's discussion question is going to be, what was a good plot twist that you enjoyed that like, you were like, man, that that was good. That was good story writing right there. It got me good. And it wasn't it wasn't something that was like a plot twist just for the sake of a plot twist. It was actually something good. And you didn't see it coming, unlike this quote-unquote plot twist with Eowyn. I don't even know if you could call it a plot twist if you, like, saw it coming every step of the way. (laughs) It just makes me laugh imagining Tolkien sitting there writing it and being like, oh, man, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them good. (laughs) Nobody's going to see this coming. Man. Total surprise. They're going to be shocked. And then... Everyone just knew. Everyone just knew immediately. So, yeah. So tell me what was a plot twist in either a book, a TV show, whatever that you actually enjoyed. Um, Bear in mind, spoiler alerts, if it was something more recent. Um, Then again, I I know the spoiler, quote unquote, spoiler ban is 
like totally lifted for Endgame and all that stuff. So I don't know like what people consider to be recent anymore for spoilers. So I don't know. Just proceed with caution. Let's say that. How do I end this? Valerie, do you have any parting words for our audience? Eowyn's awesome. She deserved more. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm sitting in high-waisted shorts that aren't good for sitting in. But that's all right. We will make those sacrifices for Eowyn.